Welcome to the podcast of ITFA 2018. My name is Orwan Arabiya. I'm ITFA's Artistic Director. In this podcast, we're presenting a selection of recordings from the year's industry sessions and talk talks. This episode features the industry talk, Code of Conduct Towards an Ethical Way of Co-Producing. This talk looks at the growing need for fair co-producing practices. How can we come to a just practice of co-producing that respects aesthetics, culture, and economies across borders? These questions were discussed by guests Cecilia Lieden of the Danish Film Institute, Diana Elgerouti of Doxbox, Estelle Robinou from Le Film du Balibari, Gema Juarez Allen from Gema Films, and Isabel Arate Fernandez of the Itfa Beta Fund. The session was moderated by Mikkel Obstrup of the European Documentary Network and was recorded on November 17th, 2018. A warm welcome on behalf of the panel to this uh, session on, on co-productions. It so happens that sometimes you run into a director who, who get a little tired in the face when you talk about co-production. But co-production is actually one of the most interesting things in the documentary business. I just want you to know this is going to be extremely exciting and very, very, very interesting. Uh, just for me to know, um, how many of you, could you please raise a hand, hand those of you who are producers? Ooh, okay. So all the directors with the tired faces, they didn't even show up. <laughs> it's okay. There is a few. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Welcome. Um, sorry? Yeah, that's also the case. But then you're also a producer, so. We have one and a half hours together. Uh, I would suggest... Now, let me start a little differently. As, um, as Ivana said, we had a think tank, a three-hour think tank with tea people from different aspects of the, of, the, of the documentary business yesterday, which showed that this is a very, very complex discussion. Uh, so my suggestion is that we keep the, the discussion here among the panel, and then we open the floor uh, by the end of the session. That would be my, my suggestion how to run it. Uh, and before uh, I introduce uh, sort of the, the outcome of the think tank, because that was we made the think tank in order to get some inspiration for the industry talk today, I think we should start with the panel uh, presenting themselves so that you know who we are. And let's start with Diana. Do we have a mic, Diana? Yes, I hide it. I think it's on. You can just talk. It's on. Hello. My name is Diana Jerudi. I am a filmmaker and a director uh, of Doxbox, which is an organization in Berlin uh, supporting documentary filmmaking in the Arab world, in and from the Arab world. Uh, we do several um, programs, uh, non-traditional programs like editing residency, e-learning courses. Uh, we run the, uh, in partnership with AFAQ, the Arab Fund for Arts and Culture, ITFA Bertha Fund, and Doc Leidzik. We run a documentary convention in April uh, that started this year and will continue every year. Uh, yeah, and I'm... Um, as a filmmaker, I also pr produce, I direct and produce, but never at the same time, uh, documentary films, specifically documentary. Yeah. 
And Cecilia? Yeah, hi. My name is Cecilia Ledine. I'm a f- one of three film commissioners at the Danish Film Institute. I've been there since 2015. Uh, we can be there a max of five years. And before that, I was actually five years at the Swedish Film Institute doing the same job. Um, before that, I actually did something different. I was at the European Documentary Network before Mikael came. And yeah, that's my background. Um, my name is Gemma Juarez Allen. I'm from Argentina. I'm a producer for a few years. Um, I co-produce most of my films, so I make all kinds of mistakes. And with every new film, I make more mistakes. But, uh, but that's the way we learn, I guess. Um, and I'm here with a film that is that's called Theater of War. That is, I, I take the chance to promote it as well. It's today and tomorrow, 6.30. Um, yeah, and that's it. But at least, Jaime, what you said, you said just before that the mistakes you make, you make are different from time to time. Yeah, so all the time. Because every that's, time, that's with every, every new co-production, you encounter new, uh, new rules, new regulations, new ways of working, new people, new, uh, new ethics, uh, <laughs> ethics, so... Yeah. Okay, and Estelle? Hello, uh, Estelle Robinou from Les Films du Balibari in France, in uh, Nantes, Lyon, and Paris. Um, I co produce, I've been co producing for many years, and not necessarily by necessity, because France is a country where we could potentially produce films, let's say, locally. Um, so usually we do it because we build up partnerships. Um, with other producers or filmmakers. And we've worked with Europe, Africa, Canada, mostly, I think. Yeah, and Isabel? Hi, I'm uh, Isabel Arrate Fernandez. I run the ITFA Bertha Fund, so I'm also part of the ITFA staff. Uh, the ITFA Bertha Fund supports documentary filmmakers from Africa, Asia, Latin America, Middle East, and still some countries in Eastern Europe. We've been doing this for 20 years through a funding program that we call it for Bertha Fund Classic, working directly with filmmakers and uh, producers in the countries in the regions I just mentioned. And since 2015, we started a new funding scheme called It for Bertha Fund Europe, which was a total change for us because we started to support international co-productions between European producers and countries in the regions I just mentioned. And it was also a start for us where we, had, uh, where we started to deal with European producers uh, applying to us. This year at the festival, we're screening uh, 10 films that receive support uh, by the Itfa Bertha Fund, and five of those received a grant through Itfa Bertha Fund Europe. You can keep the mic. Keep we'll them. never know if we get back to you. Um, so let me give you just a short brief on 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 the the, the, the backstory of why we are here. Uh, it it started in Leipzig uh, earlier this year, where the Arab European Convention Documentary Convention was held. We had different themes. One of the themes was ethics of co-production, and we had um, we had um, a working group that met every day and discussed it. And one of the things that we came up with was some some points that we thought that we should discuss before we enter into a co-production. And the other thing was that we need to expand the discussion. Uh, and uh, Isabel was there and immediately came and said, let's, let's do it at ITFA. Let's, let's continue the discussion. So that's why we're here. 
What we did yesterday, as you understand, we had this think tank, and the purpose of the think tank was not to come up with, this is how you should co-produce, but to inspire the panel and the discussion today. So uh, I took the, the liberty of, uh, of putting up some bullet points for today's discussion. That was my uh, interpretation of, okay, these are the most important points to, or the frame to have this discussion that covers so many things in. Um, I should say that, 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 that yesterday, whenever someone tried to sum up in the think tank, it, it always generated a new discussion. As you said, Gema, uh, at points it was more it was more tank than think, uh, but very 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 interesting. So anyway, I tried to put up some bullet points that sort of touches upon the elements that that uh, that I found interesting and that I, and that I think could maybe an, be an inspiration today. So uh, maybe we could have the first slide. So the first question, of course, is why do you co-produce? And I know this is obvious. <laughs> you should ask yourself that question no matter what you do. But what, what, the reason why we put it up first is, yes, we do know that in 95% of the, the situations where we enter into a co-production, it's because we want to get access to national funding outside our own country. Um, so that's one, po one, one point, and, and, and that's very, very relevant. Of course you should do that. The other, the other, question, the, the, the other reasons for entering into co-production is much more delicate, and is actually very often probably the reasons why a co-production sometimes go wrong. So the, the, the points that you see under this question are points where where we try to pick up that element. And I would say the, the, the idea behind asking these questions is, how do we co-produce so that the film becomes better? Because if we enter a co-production because of funding, it's okay, but we might do it. I mean, if we didn't want the funding, we might not, we might not want to do it, which is, which is, which is a, a difficult start for a co-production, right? So in order to find out where are we, besides our, our wish to get funding, we said, well, you, you should maybe, or not maybe, you should formulate and send to each other before entering into a co-production, what are my expectations from this co-production? It might turn out, turn out that you find out that they are very different. Or at least you, didn't, you did not expect that your co-producing partner had those expectations. So if you, formulate, if you have to formulate them and send them to each other, it's, um, that will be out in the open, and then you can discuss it. And down the, down the same line, define your success criteria of the co-production. It's not totally the same as the first one, but it's still very, very important to know, oh, is that your, is that your uh, success criteria? Because mine is here. <coughs> How urgent is this film to you? I don't think it's something you can discuss in that way. It's not, you can't click urgent, very urgent, extremely urgent, not so urgent. I mean, that doesn't make sense. But it's maybe something that you should reflect on yourself. Uh, it's, 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 you can't define what urgency is, but if you think about it, I'm sure you can find out uh, by yourself and then eventually discuss it. Be conscious that the balance will shift when entering into a co-production. 
It means that you invite someone else into your production from a, from maybe not only someone else, but sometimes also someone from a, a reality that is very different from yours. What does that mean? We can come back to that because yesterday we discussed this balance element a lot. So we'll come back to that in, in the discussion. I'm just introducing it. Um, one of the reasons is maybe this is the time to, to uh, very, very short um, on what is a co-production actually because according to my experience, very few of us are able to define what a co-production is. Uh, embarrassing not enough, I'd, I'd made several co-productions before I found out what it actually is. The definition of a co-production, at least the way it's used in Europe, is that you, you produce together, you own all the material of the film together, and you own all the rights together. That's very, very radical. A co-production is a cooperation, but a cooperation is not necessarily a co-production. So it's really, really a radical step. Uh, so not only is balance shifting when you enter into uh, working with others, but you're also in a co-production working in a way that you need to agree on everything. Uh, so it's it's very, very important point to be aware of this, the, the balance. What do you know about your co-production partner? What is the, not only legal, framework, circumstances in which your partner produce? Again, of course, it's, it's more relevant uh, uh, um, when a, a, a Syrian producer and a Danish producer work together than a Belgian and a Dutch, but still, it is very important to know the circumstances of which you produce because you will find out uh, that, that you, will might, you might be surprised um, and it might influence your, your co-production radically that your partner is producing under circumstances, legally, financially, fund-wise, whatever, that are very, very different from yours. And the second slide, please. Did you have a meeting between the co-producers and the authors before entering into a co-production and where? I think it happens a lot that a co-production is made between the producers uh, and sometimes you make it, make it the day before the deadline of the fund that you want to apply. We know that's the, that's the reality, but still, of course, a co-production also influences the work of the authors, including the director, a lot. Uh, and you might learn a lot from going to uh, a country where the film may be or originated. Maybe it's been developed there for, 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 for three years. That's where the story takes place. Maybe that's where you should go and sign the co-production agreement and get, and get a, 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 a self-experience from being there. It's not to be... Dis uh, this is, I was a little sleepy when I formulated this very early in the morning. <laughs> but anyway... It is not to be discussed that a co-producing co partner's share of the exploitation of the revenues can differ from the financing share the co-producer is bringing to the co-production. I'll try to put it into plain English. <laughs> it's a fairly strong tradition, especially from fiction, but also in, in documentary that that if you, if you bring, if one producer brings 70% of the financing and another 30, this is also how you share the revenues, 30, 70. Uh, 
But of course, it can be the case that the producer that originated the project together with the director has spent years of work before it came to a co-production. So how do you evaluate that? And, and what I'm trying to say here is that you should. Because very often you start discussing whether you should. And that's not where the discussion should start. It should rather be how. And finally, the role of the film fund. Um, should it enforce a code of conduct? Uh, we know it's always tricky when film funds um, change their regulations because what happens is that everybody sort of goes, okay, let's meet them, <laughs> even if it doesn't really fit your project. On the other hand, we also know that, that one of the really efficient ways of, of uh, changing things is when the film funds change their regulations. So this is a this is a bigger discussion, and I think it's I think it's an important discussion as well. Uh, as you can see, we have two film funds here, and then we have producers and director producers. So we have sort of tried to cover cover the picture. Um, so that's the uh, that's sort of the the opening uh, from my side. Um, I'm sorry, I forgot. It's a step back, but I forgot to say who I am. <laughs> I'm a, I used to be a producer. I'm from Denmark. I'm now working at the European Documentary Network. One of the things I do there is that I edit the co-production guide. The co-production guide is a guide on the possible national funding in 30 European countries when you're a, a majority producer. So, so, so uh, Estelle comes to me as a Danish producer with the project and wants to get access to the, to the Danish Film Institute. Uh, that goes through me. So I will be the minority producer and Estelle is the majority producer. And the co-production guide lists the possibilities in these for getting funding in these 30, um, 30 countries. It's, it's, it's very interesting actually. It's very different from what I thought it was before I started editing it. So that's sort of my, my background for this. Diana, here we go. Um, one of the things we dis discussed yesterday, and as I said, as I said, is about these, the the balance that that changes or shifts that you have to be conscious about. Uh, what 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 does it do to my position, the film I imagine as it should be, the way I intend to work with it, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, when you enter into a co-production? Would you say something about that? Yeah, I'll try. <laughs> Uh, so I think most of the discussion yesterday around the, the understanding of the problem, let's say, like obviously we're, we're discussing something about we need to come up with a code of conduct because something is wrong or something is unsatisfactory at least or we heard a lot of complaints or we have a lot of complaints. And I think... Um, it relates to the first point you highlighted or we ended up um, stipulating as like this is a one major or two major points like uh, the success, what is success to me as a producer versus what is success for the co-producer that I am seeking or vice versa if I was not the original pro producer or the initiating producer. Uh, and the other thing it has to do with... Uh, um, 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 uh, 
understanding the commitment also of the project, or the producers to the project. And I think if we drew uh, more or less like a timeline or a slide and say this is very, as you said, you cannot qualify, quantify so much urgency and commitment and so on, but if we have a, um, a slide and say this is, I'm really super committed to this project, you know, and I am joining this project because I can help but I don't want to take over all the responsibility and all of the um, uh, outcome, etc. It also, this knowledge also is very helpful uh, in the bad experiences that uh, one uh, was in or have witnessed or was consulted about. Um, this sometimes works against the film and against the partnership and against two partners. Um, I'll, I'll try to become a little bit more com concrete because I think giving examples also makes us prisoners of the example itself. So this is why I would like first to establish what I, where I'm going, yes. <laughs> uh, I think, for example, I come from a culture, let's say, or conduct of production where I produce documentaries that are socially, politically, of that holds a risk, that holds um, a meaning in society, that I need to have partners who would lift off some of that burden with me and with the director. And I tend to be protective to the directors I work with because I know that they get into um, themselves sometimes in a not very practical, let's say, or very secure uh, line of work, to put it as simple as that. So um, it's not the same for my co-producers. When I approach a co-producer from Europe, let's uh, just to stick it a little bit, uh, to, to, to have some borderline to what I mean, let's say Europe, or producers in the European Union specifically. It's not always the same. Uh, I come from, uh, or I used to produce in Syria, where the legislations are almost absent for uh, production, let alone international co-production. Um, we live in a dictatorship. We have censorship. We have uh, taboos, uh, legal taboos, and also social taboos. So when the act of making a film to begin with is extremely different from what and how producing or making a film is in, in Europe or in the European Union. We don't have, uh, uh, I don't want to expand too much on it, but we don't have a, a legal system that I can log into DFI and learn about it and pick up the phone and ask, uh, so can I apply uh, two days later? We don't have a financial uh, also bodies and so on. So the fact that my producer or co-producer in Denmark, let's say, or the Netherlands does not know that is already a knowledge, a breakthrough. If I can establish that, you know, with my co-producer, then they would understand I don't have a shoulder to lean in on in my local environment. <clears throat> and to do this film... I have to come to Itfa, fly for like seven hours, pay, as I said yesterday, pay probably uh, coming to Itfa or Leipzig or whatever, probably cost me six months rent. 
uh, and I cannot claim it from a local financier. I cannot say a German film, uh, knock, 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 I would like you to sponsor or my embassy to sponsor. So the investment I do in order to reach out for you as a co-producer is huge. So, and I would like to label that for the, this discussion saying that the, this act of co-production or international co-production um, um, into, I am asked or expected to integrate in the European system on my own uh, a lot. And this makes me reach a co-production agreement exhausted, whether I realize it or I don't realize it, or as Khema said, I realize it after 10 years, but I reach, I, re I suddenly discover that I am so exhausted while the other producers are not. So on the way, I am uh, without uh, de uh, declaring that to my co-producer or to my partner, I am expecting so much from him or her that they don't know that I am expecting because I look at them as a stronger producer, as a more relaxed or more stable producer, but they don't know that I am expecting that. So it's a very weird uh, position to end up with. Uh, but also that's the reality of co-production. And probably that's the same, not only with Syrian Danish or Syrian Dutch or Syrian French producer, uh, or what we call Global South or whatever, but probably it's the same with young producers and uh, more established producers or produce independent producers who are not attached to a legal entity and giant, you know, you know, like big producers. Probably this also applies. So I don't want it to be a nationalistic or uh, problem. It's not. It's it's just probably more evident or more more identifiable. I don't know if this answers the point. Yeah, and I think the last sentence is actually very important because the the the, um, the less equal you are, I mean, the production circumstances the more clear it is. Uh, if, if, if a European producer with a Syrian producer, you know already that, that we are not producing from the same starting point. It's very, very obvious. It's not necessarily that we know exactly what it is, but we know it. Whereas, whereas it's different with um, an Argentinian producer, right? Uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's just less obvious. Uh, and that's, that's very important that the, that the shift of balance is always there. It's, it's, it's just a matter of how big it is, so to speak, or how, how big the inference is, right? And one last thing to clarify. It's very obvious when there is a problem. When disaster starts to come, become, then it is very obvious. <laughs> when things are smooth, because I had very successful productions, co-productions with Europe, starting with you. Like <laughs> it was very successful, uh, probably not very, uh, what do you call it? Uh, um, and again, we have to define what successful is. But at least it was uh, polite production, respectful production, and did not end up with a financial disaster. This is what I mean by success, because we have to do, <laughs> define. <laughs> it was not a financial disaster. <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> uh, so it's very hard when you when you have good successful. I, I said it before to you probably. It was my bad luck to start co-producing with you because that was here, and then it went all the way. 
it down. So it's very hard to detect where the problems might be so that you are prepared and you can inform your partners and plan for it and whatever. When you start with good, successful production or co-production, but when things go bad, you know, that's where, oh my God, I have to talk about a million things and I've already signed an agreement and it's very unfair. So this is also like co-productions are happening too fast, too soon, and too late, kind of, uh, they, they yeah, agree. Yeah, okay. Should we maybe stick to this, uh, the, the, the balance element, uh, with you other two producers, Argentina and France perspective, and then, and then I would like to hear you, you, you funders. You want to start, Estelle, yeah? The balance. Um... I'm say what you want. Should I'm just I speak as a, as a, in an experience as a minority producer or a majority producer? Because it's quite different, I guess. Um, so, but say someone comes to me with the project, which would be your case. Um, um, potentially, yeah, we can bring more money and become a majority on, on percentage. Uh, potentially not. <laughs> Um, but I think we need to stay humble, number one. And what you're saying about you know, your experience of your local territory, your stories, which we don't know, we're very comfortable in our own countries. Um, so yes, we need to be, we need to be a, a force and, and, uh, and strong for the, the majority um, country who's coming from a difficult place. Um, I think we need to be really, really clear about our rules and regulations in our country because that really also puts a pressure on the, on the balance of the project. But what we can do is try and bring uh, creative input, and that's really important, and that's not necessarily uh, very uh, valuable in terms of percentage. Uh, artistic uh, contributions. Uh, for France, for instance, uh, when we work in minority uh, projects, quite often we work with people who uh, don't have the the writing uh, experience of a project. And we come from a country where writing is really important and you might have heard of like the big written applications in France. So what we can do sometimes is actually bring creative talent to help and to train or to kind of help um, bring this baby to life. Uh, and that, I think that's really, really important. And sometimes in some co-productions that we did, the best input that we brought was not necessarily the financing, but was actually all the support in terms of, yeah, bringing that uh, that film. So um, coming to the balance, but also to the priorities. Uh, I wrote a list actually, and I'd like to kind of share it. But I think it comes back to what you said. But we need to really think of what is the order of priority? Is it the film, and is it its life, and how far do we go into the film's life? And for me, it's just as important to bring the film as far as I can in terms of where it's going to be shown and uh, how long we're going to work uh, after the finishing of the film. Um, of course, the filmmaker and his, his or her talent is really uh, a, a decision factor. Uh, the producers in the relationship, and that's why coming back to the balance, I think it doesn't really matter where we come from. It's uh, the balance is when we really know that we want to work together and that we can bring a lot to each other. Of course, the financial potential is a decision factor. Uh, sometimes it's the image that the film can bring to all of us in terms of festivals or, or broadcasts. 
Um, and so all of these are kind of, we can't tick the box, but we can discuss it and we can really think what it brings um, to the filmmaker and to the companies. And um, if all of this is, is quite clear, then yeah, we can start working. But then the difficulty is the length of the production. And sometimes we think we start for a year or two years, and sometimes it's four years down the line and things have changed balance. Um, so balance is something that is constantly in the making, I guess. It's not something that is, you're the strong one and I'm the weak one. <laughs> it's like really something that hopefully finds its average and it's, um, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's a disaster in terms of, of, of um, uh, fusion, <laughs> but, uh, but you have to be ready to fluctuate. Yeah. The, f the first time I met you, you were co-producing a Serbian. Was it a Serbian production? Uh, it was French. It was uh, me as main. Um, no, you were you were you were the you were the co-producer. No, I was the main producer. You were the main producer. Yeah. You, okay. You're talking about village without women. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, okay. no, no, oh, no, no, you no, were no. the main. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's sorry. a filmmaker. But that was that was two very different uh, realities coming together, Serbia and France, right? Very different. But initially, I mean, I didn't necessarily want to co-produce with Serbia or not in a very fast manner. But we were doing Ex Oriente, the training program, and uh, the filmmaker actually said, there is film funding to be had in Serbia, I really want us to apply. And I was like, I'm not ready, we're getting to know each other, the project is not developed enough. And he's like, don't worry, don't worry, we need to go. And he said to me, I think I can say this because I did it in a case study before, he said, um, my, my cousin works in the company, he's the accountant, you can trust you know, this company. And I went into it, and it was overall it was fine for me anyway. They raised uh, 10,000 euros, and we didn't see any of it. And I think the director and his cousins were not great friends at the end. It was not a massive problem for me as a main producer, but I think it was really complicated for the filmmaker himself because he had a really tough situation to solve, and we had some credits issues at the end, but uh, we also had a Croatian co-producer, and he was like... Main, big producer, and that went really well. But I think the decision to work with that producer was not mine, and that's part of the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, adding a little bit to what uh, has already been said, um, I think balance is something that, I mean, the, the relationship of a co-production is something very dynamic. It, the balance shifts throughout um, throughout the existence of the, I mean, the making of the film, and and the unbalance is something that can also work in our favor, in our favor, in my, because I've made major and minor co-productions. I, I minor co-produced Dutch films, German films, Swedish films, and in some of the cases, um, those were like perhaps some of the most ex important experiences I had, like even um, even uh, like in the process of participating of a really big uh, co-production. But I think most of the problem, like in my experience, most of the problems uh, arise uh, out of one of the questions you posed about um, the meetings we have prior entering a co-production and how much we discuss um, the reasons for co-producing, the priority the co-production has in each of the company that can actually, um, that, 
uh, and that is something that also changes in uh, like it's not it's not the same when you start and when you are in the distribu distribution phase um, like what are the the uh, discussing uh, not only the contract line by line but also the financial plan the the budget the um, conceptual aspects of the film. I always realized that there's always things that were not discussed and, 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 um, and sometimes create, no, and I'm not going to say problems, but, um, but they, they create frustrations in relation to the expectations you have to, towards the other part. Um, I think that's, that's, for me, is one of the main sources of... Um, perhaps ethical issues in a in a an unbalances in a co-production. Yeah. Isabel, as you mentioned, you have this 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 co-production fund that uh, that that by definition is between a European producer and a producer from I I can never remember this list of countries. The list Sorry. Maybe, maybe you should explain it yourself. Um, we don't work with a list of countries anymore. That used to be the case, but that's a different story. I mean, basic, I always say it as Africa, Asia, Latin America, Middle East, and Eastern Europe. And there are some tweaks here and there because we don't do the whole of Latin America. We're not doing Chile anymore before, uh, before that's Dutch, for example. Uh, so that changes. But yes, that's the core of the Itza Bertha Fund. Europe program. But very different situations, yeah. yeah. So you see a lot of these productions. Uh, you see a lot of co-production agreements because they have to send in their co-production agreement and then of course also you follow the productions, right? Yeah, one of the requirements we have to deal with within the Itfa Bertha Fund Europe funding scheme was not invented by us, but it's, it's coming from the European Union who's the main funder, is that uh, it's I think it's literally the share of the European producer or producers has to be between has to be a minimum of 20% and a maximum of 30%. So in order to verify this when people apply you need to send in for the process of application a, a memo deal is acceptable or if there is in place a co-production agreement upon selection we need the co-production agreement. This means that we get uh, only memo deals because signed the day before the deadline normally. And actually, I mean, for us, it was a very big um, shift starting to do this. We were working with totally, uh, I mean, going uh, into contract with very different uh, actors than we were used before, uh, used to. So European producers uh, dealing with different realities, bringing these two groups of people together and getting also uh, through this back door and insight into these co-productions, which... Uh, like totally surprised me. I mean, when we're talking about uh, the balance and the unbalanced, and I, st I mean, we've been do doing it, I think we did the fourth round this year, we now be pre preparing for the fifth round next year. I still get, cannot get over the amazement that I think 90% of the co-production contracts I read, the share division is based on the finance plan. And, 
And I, I and many of these projects are often projects that I already know either through other selection rounds or platforms. And I know that the producers in the countries where we normally work to have been working on these projects for years. And still, the moment then money comes into place and it, it creates an unbalance immediately because it's kind of it's a catch-22 because if you start saying no I, this is not fair for example and so, I mean then you would get into the discussion oh but then I don't, cannot get you any money and it has to do with not knowing each other's realities I totally I think that's really an important point obviously also with certain European countries where when you tap into one a certain kind of funding and you have the rights and shares you can continue tapping into other fundings and people don't know that of each other but it's also it's it for me initially when this started it seemed like a modus operandi that everybody was accepting and nobody was questioning and i still don't understand why and you as a as representative of a fund can you do anything about that are you doing anything about it are you i mean you bringing it up or are you considering well, putting it into your guidelines or what are your considerations i'm uh it it depends a little bit on what will evolve out of this i mean i was really happy to be involved in the whole arab european documentary convention and uh, getting into this with diana and you and all the other people being there what i'm like the first thing i'm doing now and i started doing since this i mean we work very closely with the filmmakers that we fund through our uh, classic program that all, everybody wants to co-produce because they they need funding the first thing i advise them is to uh, not accept any co-production contract that if they need advice to knock on our door because we, I mean, obviously we do more than just fund projects. So that's like the first thing. And with regards to institutionalizing it, on the one hand, I guess somehow speaking as a parent also, I'm very against like strict rules and enforcing things. <laughs> but maybe, uh, and that's something that needs more thought, maybe the only way uh, to go about that is to enforce things, but at the same time also as a funding body, I also feel uh, we uh, our position, we can't do that on our own. It needs to be with a group of funders enforcing something, because it's not only, I mean, we work with particular countries and region, uh, but the I very well know also through the markets we have at ITFA, that's, it's also an issue with smaller European producers and bigger European producers. I mean, it's it's... Well, it's big, small. It's not national, as was said before. And you actually took the... I mean, ITFA actually took the initiative to bring national funders and regional funders together. Yes, there's a summit Tell tomorrow. us a little about that. Well, they're coming together tomorrow uh, to discuss in a kind of think tank thing. I mean, it's. I think it's a two, three hours. So it will probably be too short for all the subjects. And it's like to get a conversation starting on all the issues that uh, national funds deal with, national funds that have also co-production uh, funding, and to share with each other, and I guess to bring them more together and to start uh, getting all these funding bodies to develop, like, if possible, at least one discourse or see how, uh, considering the positions, the impression positions that funding bodies have, can start a change. I mean, and it's not only with regards to co-production what this summit is about, but also with other issues. Okay. Cecilia, you come from a national film fund, so of course it's different, but and I mean, it's the basic, same basic questions. Um, 
you 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 support what five six co-productions Four, a year six. something like that yeah yeah please well maybe i can go back to something that diana said and i think i think for us as an as a national funding body and i'm afraid we're talking nationalistic here when we're talking fi national film institutes it's about defining the problem before you can make a code of conduct i'm very much about the whole awareness thing because moving a film foundation, which is based on national legislation, and just to be quite clear, a Danish film institute, like every national film institute, the DNA is, it's about Danish filmmaking. I mean, it's nationalistic in its, in its core. Uh, and if you go in and look at the co-production page on the Danish Film Institute's homepage, you will see Danish in each and every sentence. You know, we, we, will, we do want to support co-productions, we, we support them to support the Danish filmmakers or to support the Danish production. I mean, that's the, that's the way of thinking. So, so to change a legislation or to move that is like moving a super tanker. You know, it's, it's going to take a long time and it's going to be... A, 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 I just tend to be very pragmatic about it. I think if we want to do something about it, I think it's about changing a mindset. And that's, what, that's about defining the problem. I mean, from our point of view, because I was, I was thinking, I'm taking notes while you were talking, I mean, I think if you look at our regulations, they're very clear. And, and we would claim, because we only support four to six co-productions a year, we're meticulous when we go through them. I mean, we know the agreements are in place, we know the contracts are in place. We even look... When we, when we support something, it's about the creative uh, division between the, the projects. It has to make sense to make the project better. I mean, we do, we, we check all the boxes. And even if we check all the boxes, things go wrong. And that's why I'm talking about going back to really understanding the problem. Because once we understand that there is, and, and, and this feeds into a much bigger discussion that we're actually having right now at the Danish Film Institute about power structures in general. And, and about the, the power structures in a global context. As you say, the money's in the north, the stories are in the south. Which part are we playing in that? And, and it, with risk of it sounding fluffy, I actually do believe that that's where we should start. To creating a strong awareness within the walls of the Film Institute, with the people that are working with the papers. With working with, with getting the, the, the co-productions off the ground, to make them understand that we're actually playing on a much bigger field than just our own legislations. And I think that's a good way to start. I don't think it will just be fluff. I can see what's happened in the Nordic countries just within the f this five, five, six last years about gender, diversity in our way of, of dealing with uh, applications. And I think this could feed into that discussion as well. Did I answer your question? Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't raise a question, so it, it definitely did. <laughs> no, I, I, was, I was just thinking on this, this element of when you get when you get applications you look for the for the good films and that should be the basis of your evaluation of course and then there are all these other things as you mentioned gender power structure we want to, so we want to, we want other other elements to influence the decision about what films to support but on the other hand the films are at the center how do you how do you deal with that but yeah, I mean, of course, the quality of the films will always be in the center. We are a cultural support for the artistic filmmaking. I mean, so that is, of course, what we look for. But I have to say, with exactly co-productions, we look at something much more... I mean, we're much more diverse in our selection because we get a lot of good projects. So what we actually look at is the quality of the cooperation. And that's why an awareness thing can actually work for us because that's what we do. 
okay, this looks like something that could make sense. We asked the producers to describe the way they want to work with this other co-producer. We want it to be long-term, if possible. We want to see that it can evolve into something else. So it's not just sending money across borders, because the money, to be frank, is very little. So that doesn't even make sense. I mean, so and, and do, do. the And do the producers who, send, who submit... Do they know that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. They know it very well. You're explicit about it. We're very explicit about it, and we're even explicit about something we do that we can't even really say that we do because it's, it's not written in the film agreement. But, you know, we are three commissioners, and people send applications to us. And in a normal Danish context, I decide uniquely what I want to support. It's my decision. When it comes to co-productions, people still apply to the different film commissioners. But we have a, a common pot of money for each deadline that we have to divide between us. So, so that's, a, that's almost like a committee. And we say that to people. You say, you know, you send it to me. I will bring it to the table if I think it's worth bringing to the table. But at the end of the day, we're looking at a lot of different things. We're looking at reciprocity. We're looking at geography. We're looking at, at new, new places, because we have, of course, a strong tradition of Nordic co-productions within the, within the region. We want people to step uh, outside of that, so we would also support that. So we look at a, a range of things. And that's why I'm saying, forcing us, and that can be done through a code of conduct. It just is, it's about how it's formulated. Forcing us to think maybe in a different way while we're doing all these other thoughts, it would work fine. It's my Yeah, Diana, please. And just to add one thing to the notion of nationalist, non-nationalist, or the, the, the main problem I, I, I might see here in Europe is that it, it's an advantage, but at the same time, it's a problem, is that most of the financing is national, which makes a lot of the problem in the rest of the world national. So it's not, we as producers are national are, or anti-national. <laughs> It's just that the problem, because it's so much associated to national values, it becomes a national problem or nationalistic problem in a way. Because when I enter into production with an, an, a rich country, that, that the country like in Germany or France where there is a nationalistic also point system, uh, the film becomes the balance is not only about percentages as well. So it's also the problem is not only financial. It's also economical, it's also artistic, because you you are forcing me, of course now, no, not, uh, it's, um, yeah, I have very limited pool of vocabulary I have to choose from, but you're forcing me as a non-Danish producer to give up artistic uh, authority or authorship, regardless if I'm willing to do that or not, otherwise, no chance of financing. So that's also a pragmatic that I sign up, to, like uh, Isabel says, I sign up too because I need the money, you know? But I also have very limited pool to choose from. So I have to make not only the decision quickly to which producer I would co-produce with, but to which editor I should edit with and which camera person I should edit with, and I don't know the market. And this is specifically a problem when it is Uh, a production with the uh, USA, uh, no, no, USA is very different. Let's stay in Europe with uh, Germany, or, with Germany and or France, because it's such a huge country with such a very vivid production environment and infrastructure, and very complex, you know, 
bureaucratic system that also the producer is suffering from. So, so I have to choose. Uh, Mikael, what do you think about this editor and that editor? Yes, this editor is very good. One, two meetings, and yes, let's go into the co-production. I already know, don't know the editor or the camera person. They are on my staff, and they are on my payroll you know, or your role as my co-producer. So the whole balance shifts not only financially as in, okay, we're going to make 10,000 euro at the end of the year and we split it this way. That's a very soft problem, I would say. And it could be negotiated and say, well, I invested seven years of my life, let's quantify it here and whatever, and take the risk factor because all, not all uh, producers do uh, life risk uh, documentaries and whatever. So even if we simplify it so much, it's still too complex. And it's also about authorship. It's about, does this film, does this film having checked all the national checklists, have the same effect in Denmark? as it has the same effects in Syria? Does it jeopardize the whole system of production and the producers in their own country as much as it does to those local producers who initiated the project? And I think that's the ethical, for me, that's the main ethical problem is it becomes suddenly a financial or economic problem in Europe, but it is much more bigger problem in countries like Syria or Egypt or whatever, because it's a life-changing decision that I have to sign up for the minute I start this film, you know. And I take the risk to the maximum. I change residency, I change citizenship, I change my wife or my husband, you know, like it's really life-changing. So kind of the scale is kind of becomes financial when uh, I have a problem when the discussion becomes too financial uh, or too legal uh, to say. But that that element that, that I mean your situation is is you, you can't change you can't risk more actually <laughs> and then and then we have other countries where it's less less but still it's a lot to engage in a certain film about a certain political subject in many countries. That's how it is. How do we, how do we deal with that in this ethics of co-production? Is it only some of the points that I listed here that, that at least your partner needs to know and acknowledge it and cooperate with you on the basis of that knowledge or, or what? Because I, I know you keep coming back to, it's, it's, it, this is not a matter of financing. But it's, but still, it needs to be. It shouldn't be too fluffy. If we want to implement it in something, this this is the way we think of co-productions. We have to be concrete, or what? Am I wrong? No, no, you're absolutely right. And I think we need to be concrete. It's just that we cannot be simple. It's it's not a simple problem. What I'm trying to say, and it will take years of trying to solve it and come up with a smart or agile solution, let's say. I think, number one, we need to be agile. We need to be flexible. We need to be open also. Not all producers in... in, in I'm, I'm speaking always about the Arab world because that's the area of practice that I have. Uh, but I always feel it's too nationalistic to say that. But anyway... Uh, the problem is that not every producer in the Arab world or in Syria or is willing to, to confront authority. And that should not be stigmatized, of course. But those who do cannot understand 
cannot collaborate with producers who don't understand that line of business or that motivation. So I think that's wrong. It's, it's really wrong for the European producer, it's really wrong for the Syrian producer to engage in a business relationship. You know, if they are producing films that actually touch upon risk. So I just think that this should be integrated in the financial system as well. You have a pro yes, of course, this is an audiovisual product that has to go on cinema and TV and whatever, that's sure. But does it also, um, uh, is it attached as well to an entity that is ethical, political, or whatever? Does it have that shadow, big shadow next to it? Or does it have a slight shadow? Because then the rules should not apply, because otherwise you are dealing with, you are dehumanizing in a way the producer to an extent that they can that you're sentencing them i'm using big words but again my limited yeah. english you're sentencing the producer to or reducing to producer to an accountant you know it feels mm -hmm. yeah anyone who wants to follow on that yeah i'm i'm not giving away my mic yeah <laughs> No, I just want to make it worse because you're talking about national funds, but there's also regional funds <laughs> that actually make it doubly worse. But they also, and whether it's in Sweden or in France or in Germany, or, uh, but they really make it worse in terms of obligations. And, but they also give more opportunities and more funds. And I fully, fully understand what you're saying and, and agree. And there's really something very specific. And then I think we can moderate it slightly about projects that would come from um, maybe less risk uh, type of um, places and stories. But filmmakers, for instance, from Niger, we worked with, or Africa, who actually benefit so much of some collaborations. And if you can take time to discuss the artistic value that the the producer and the team from the richer country can bring, then it can actually ha have a very positive effect. So there's different levels, and I think we should really uh, allow for the time of discussion in the co-production and what really the artistic elements can, can bring. But of course it's not... I'm not talking about films about war or really urgent, urgent matters, but any personal films, creative documentaries on a personal level that can take time to develop and to mature are really, really uh, prone to this kind of discussion. I'd, I'd, I'd like to bring in another element, and I, th I think maybe it's, uh, it's part of the experience that you talk from, from Diana, because you're not only producing, you're also directing, and I'm sure that part of your experience with entering into co-production also comes from the director's position. Um, you mentioned the uh, Exoriente workshop, which is a, is, which is a, a, a workshop that for, for projects, uh, filmmakers from Eastern and Central Europe. And uh, every year we have a session there uh, for the directors. We talk a lot with the producers about these matters, and then we have one session with the directors where, where we bring up these, uh, all the productional uh, aspects of film production one of them being co-productions. It takes me three days to get over that session every year. <laughs> it is shocking. Most of them have no idea what it means 
what a lot of the decisions that are made by the producers, and that's also why I'm looking out of you, because you're mainly producers. They have no idea what it means to their work, what you're doing. What does it mean? What's the difference between having the Danish Film Institute and a regional uh, German film fund as part of the financing? The, the German, uh, sorry, the Danish Film Fund has no, no. I mean, there are some obligations in terms of distribution and so on, and there has to be uh, some Danish input, but it's it's pretty soft compared to a lot of others. Whereas the German, the German uh, regional film fund, if you get a hundred thousand euros, which which you can which you can get, you need to spend a hundred thousand or a hundred and fifty thousand euros in that region. Damn it, that's important for the director. And I'm not. And now, 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 I'm not even talking about what it means to engage with BBC instead of Swedish television, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So this is just a, a an urge. Involve your directors because it it really really matters a lot. We'll have silence for ten seconds, and if nobody says something, you can say something, Diana. Okay, go. <laughs> the thing with directing, yes, of course, I am engaged as a director in several co-production, and I've been producing with uh, my producers since the beginning. So that is a, um, and, and it's hard because it's hard. The relationship between director and producer is really hard. But once it's built, it's, it pays off. The problem is when the director or the producer keeps on shifting because you have a bad experience or not very satisfactory experience. You don't want to invest a lot. We all know that production is complex and unsatisfactory. Like you, nobody makes real money after that. Many of them hard, hardly pay for the bills. So it's and that's for the directors and producer. And I think it takes few years, probably five at least until both the director and the producer realize this, that it's not because they did something wrong, you know, not because the director does not appreciate the producer and not because the producer does not... But the problem is that too many, too many, probably the majority of directors keep on shifting because they blame it on the producer, you know. If the film goes well, it's... <laughs> Now, I am a yes, radical producer. If the film goes well, then that's because the director did well. But if the film does not do well, that's the producer problem. And that's not true. It's really not true, you know. The producer it's hard to be a producer, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's like with the football team and the trainer. Yeah. The Sorry. success, the, the producer, especially in, uh, of course, creative documentary or also driven documentaries and so on. Producer is a creative partner. They take a lot of shit with the director just until the film actually happens, you know, not set, let alone succeed later or have good circulation. So uh, this is one thing, that how much you're committed, again, how much are you committed in this partnership because you're creating a partnership. Then getting the director distracted from directing the film to understand all the complexity of co-production is a nightmare. It's a nightmare. I mean, you can engage a director in meetings, but most of the time they run away. No, literally, I don't know if you have the same uh, um, experience. At the beginning, you are afraid the director knows a lot, and then they use it against you, especially if you're a young producer or whatever, but 
even when you engage them, they run away, they get confused, and they freak out, and they do, what do you mean? You, for example, discussing the rough cut, the final cut, uh, right to the final cut, or whether we, we have to um, um, screen here and premiere there because this, but we promised this and whatever. They get so confused and freak out, and everything is taken to the letter, and then you have to tell them, yeah, but that's on paper, the practice is that they're more flexible and then we can negotiate this, but it's too soon to negotiate now, so we have to negotiate in six months. And then you don't negotiate in six months, they, so they consider that you, you're lying, no, but it's just shifted. It's so complex production that unless there is an established trust relationship between the director and the producer, going into the detail of co-production, in my experience, always resulted in bad results, not in positive, uh, negative results, not in positive results. They, they really freak out, at, at least from my experience. Yeah. Um, for me, I think it's, uh, well, in the, at least in the last experiences I had, it's been like really like the opposite because um, like not only that we we had the in the last two or three films that we made uh not only we had the opportunity to sit with the co-producers and and the directors who were of course also authors um and and trying to help them understand the implications of of co-producing and what it entails and all the responsibilities we were assuming but then and that not also not only like um, uh, uh, them get uh, excited with the possibility in the restrictions, but then also after get disappointed by something that I don't know. It happens very often to me. I don't know if it, what is the experience of the rest, but with the disattachment of the co-producer in in later stages. I mean, I, I always have the experience that during financing, shooting, editing, until the film is ready, the premiere, everything is fantastic, and then everybody, I don't know. And I have good relationships. They were like all usually um, colleagues, uh, my colleagues from Miave, from Eurodoc, or whatever. But something happens that they disappear. And my directors are like, so why why did we have cooperatives? Like, what ha what's happening in Germany? Like, what is not the film like uh, at least has like a, a small theatrical sound? Like, you know, uh, I always. So now I tend to um, lower the expectations always because, like, I always um, ask them not to expect so much because, uh, like, like. Um, I don't know this thing like the the of course then everybody has a reason oh, we had this problem with the shoot with this film like everybody always has a reason but this there is a shift in interest in commitment in that can create a lot of uh, frustration in the relationships as well at least in my experience um, and they were good films huh <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> Okay, just a, a, a short around about the, the, the film funds, um, and then I think we should open the floor to uh, to experiences and 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 comments from from the the audience. 
Isabel, how do you see it? Do you, it depends, of course, how such a code of conduct would look, but could, could you imagine that the, maybe the conclusion of this kind of discussions that we have started now will end up with, end up with a code of conduct on your website when people look for applying, or how do, how do you see it? I mean, yes, that would be an option, but I think it's also maybe it starts with uh, before we get there and we actually have that code of conduct, it starts with awareness. So it starts basically also with asking the basic questions and using that as something uh, when we publish the next de deadline and the regulations. Also, oh, are you co-producing? Click here and read this. Just to get people thinking from both sides, because it's also, I mean, what Cecilia was saying earlier, also we, in our application, I mean, there is, I don't exactly remember what the question is, but the applicant producer, the European producer, has to explain why is he, she involved in the project? How did they meet? What are they planning? And sometimes, and it's it's a very simple, clear question. Sometimes you get, like, good, long stories. Sometimes it's just a paragraph. And people don't understand that. And for us, it's, I mean, the quality of the co-production is one of the five criteria where we base our point system on. But it's also, um, you know, what I, what I find, I, I, I can be very, uh, I don't know, moralistic and really like committed to this and asking these questions. I also, I think also looking at, for example, that, Applications are done the day before the deadline, the memo deal is signed the day before. Um, there's also a way in, uh, I mean, what I think is important to look at the way people uh, are working and working together and how that is dictated by uh, the circumstances in each country, which obviously goes back to the question, do you know enough, enough about each other's realities? But that also goes, I mean, not only for the realities in uh, the countries where the Itfa Bertha Fund focuses on, where obviously the livelihood of producers is really complicated to live of uh, documentary producing. But I think in some European countries that's also the case. I mean, if you look at the Netherlands, it's becoming really hard for documentary producers to run their company. So, I mean, in trying to understand this, I think it's also the way uh, having all these collaborations that start last minute, maybe people only met each other by Skype, haven't had the time to invest in building up a relationship, is, has also do with that. Because, I mean, part of the reasons to tar start collaborating with each other are economical ones. And yes, in my ideal world, I want fruitful, creative collaborations that will result in amazing films. <laughs> and oh, gladly we have those. But I think we've also done, supported a very clear-cut, just economical relationship, which have also resulted in nice films, and some have been more problematic. Yeah, and I guess the tricky thing is also that if I, as a producer, wanted to apply you, uh, the the I would, I would answer a question about the quality of my co-production differently if it was addressed to you yeah. that I'm about to apply than if I was discussing it with my, whatever, yeah. colleague back home, right? Yeah. So that's also part of it. The thing also, just want to go back to your question about the code of conduct, I mean, asking like basic questions of where, do you meet, where did you meet, did you meet in person? Yeah, we're not going to start checking. I mean, become a kind of Gestapo checking if it's actually... <laughs> 
oh, true, I think it's much more and where I see that we can play a role in and I hope, I, I my guess now is that will be more effective is that awareness and asking the right questions and incenting people to ask themselves these questions and each other when you start a collaboration. Cecilia, you wanted to, to, to add to that? Well, it's, it's more or less the same, but I'm still thinking from a film foundation's point of view, I think there's a fine line between, I mean, how much we can demand. I mean, we have lots of demands already on the producers, and if we start, like, moralizing about when did you talk and where did you talk, and it's, it's, it's um, I, I see it as something complicated. Where it makes sense, and what you said earlier, is it, when we say something, people tend to jump, you know? But it's also my experience that the word spreads very quickly. So, so, so I'm, I'm wondering how formalized you have to make it to, to, to spread the word. I mean, because if, if we start saying this a few times, Times, I'm telling you, the producers take notes. They they will know it. So so so, um, and I mean that in a, in a positive sense. So so without like using it as a power thing again. I mean, because we talking about power structure. I mean that also happens in a national context. You know, like we're the big bosses with all the money, and you know. Um, so we, but I think this is doing it for something good. So so in that sense, and that's what I also think about the diversity and gender discussions we're having. It's it's for a greater cause. Uh, and in that sense, it's very important to implement it in some way. But I think we can find a way of implementing it without changing the rules. Um, and that's kind of the, the, the game we should play here. I remember when the Danish Film Institute uh, introduced development support. Uh, and everybody asked, so what, how, how much can we get? And we decided, we, we, we're not going to tell. I, I worked at the Danish Film Institute at the time. And we decided we're not going to tell, but internally... We knew that it would, the maximum would be 150,000 Danish kroners, 20,000 20, euros. And then, some, then someone heard that. And then suddenly all the budgets were 20,000 euros. <laughs> and I mean, that's how it goes. I, mean, I, I would do the same, of course. It's just like, that's what you're <laughs> well, if, if, touching just, upon, give, right? Just give you an example. I mean, because we, we found out that we just got... We, we felt in a, in a Danish context that we got a certain kind of projects and they were always very well developed by the producers. So we felt like there were gatekeepers out there that, that kind of, you know, we didn't, we didn't feel we got what was really out there. There were already these gatekeepers before us. I mean, then what are we going to do? We have these rules and regulations. But what we did was we said to people, we now have an even smaller development fun. We, I mean, we, we claimed it was like a new thing we had thought up, but you could always have done that. But we said, come in and apply for, I don't know, what, what is 20,000, 50,000 Danish corner, what's that in euros? You can, yeah, so, you know, 3,000 euros. You can come in alone as a, as a director, you don't need a producer, just bring an idea. One page, we'll, we'll deal with it within two weeks, you can get the money fast. And it has totally changed the scene of, of, of the profile of what we get in. So, so you can do things like that. So it's within our rules and regulations, we can do that without changing the big things, but it actually changed the, the platform of projects we're getting in, which is great. Yeah, yeah. No, I just want to add one thing, because this, Cecilia and all the commissioning editors from Scandinavia are what we're looking at, like the, the, you know, the kings and queens of uh, commissioning uh, in France, because in France it's not like that, and I don't think it's like that in Germany. They're more technicians or administrators, and they're fantastic in some cases, and they're very bad in others, but they're not here to nurture the productions. They're not here to kind of advise us on how to co-produce. So I don't know if they would be around the table. It would be amazing if 
some of them come to these kind of discussions, but I think that's why we also have this culture of uh, writing producers' notes and coming back with your, you know, about the story, how we met, why we're doing this film, and that's really, really important. And I would really urge anyone to do that, no matter what, because it's really what you can come back to as well. Even yourself, why did I, why did I get into this production again? You know, and go back to this. And um, and the the other thing on the list, I would say, is actually and I don't do that, and I think I'm going to start doing that, is to agree with the co-producers, when are you physically there? And who is going to be there throughout the production? Are you there on the shoot? You as producer, or your production manager? Are you there when I send my director to the north of Poland? Is someone coming there? You know, all these questions sometimes I didn't ask. And so my, my directors were like alone in the north of Poland, you know? And I only realized that when they came back, they were like, oh, it was fine, but I was kind of on my own. I was like, what? Um, so there's a lot of very, very practicalities that you're right, we should put in the list. Okay, let's, uh, let's open, open the floor to uh, experiences and, and comments from, from you, if anyone has something. Yeah, here on the first, on the first row. I was just going to add um, that... Could you, know, could, you, could you introduce yourself, please? Yes, my name is Amelia Mello. I'm a producer-director um, from Brazil. And um, I think, you know, the way the filmmaking works right now, it's um, the production and the editing is sort of the stuff that you can do in your basement with your laptop. And, um, and a lot of times the big financial hurdle is the sound and the color. And I know that that isn't considered a creative contribution, but actually I think it's a huge creative contribution. And so I'm just wondering if co-producers and funders could consider that aspect of um, that sound and color really are a huge part of the film, really affect the life of the film and are something that could be um, benefited by co-production. It's something you look... Uh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. We're very soft about our demands of creative input. And I agree with you. It's actually not that it's not creative to make sound and grading, but we, it can be anything. We, we simply look at... And that's what I'm trying to say. We're really looking most of all at the cooperation and the creative construction of the co-production. It can be anything, basically. Others? Hi, my name is Ina Fitchman. I'm a producer from Canada. I've done a lot of co-productions with many countries around the world, especially in, in Europe. And I know that I think the focus perhaps of your think tank was European co-production. Um, but for those of us who are not in Europe, um, I, I'm wondering what your comments are about working with companies outside, outside of your context and some of the, the, the good experiences and some of the challenges you faced um, I come from a country, we have our own rules and regulations, and I'm wondering, some of them are not dissimilar to yours, however, they are North American, and I'm wondering how, how you've dealt with those as well. Yeah, please, Diana. I can say a very simple one. It, it, uh, Canada, for example, doesn't have a treaty with Syria. So we don't have a co-production. <laughs> and it's not open for informal uh, co-productions as a country. So it's, uh, there are countries like the USA. I, I, I said Germany and France. 
but also USA, which is, I know it's very particular. So Canada is more like European in the structure, all structure and processes. But it's not as open as Europe for non-formal uh, production, co-productions, international production. And that makes a limitation, a lot of limitations. This is why um, we did the study about the Arab, uh, Arab documentary landscape and the number of co-productions uh, between the Arab world, countries from the Arab worlds, uh, is number one with Europe, and with some with one, two, if over four years, if I'm not mistaken now, uh, with exceptions of one in US with USA, one with Canada, and three inter-Arab countries. So this is also the state of uh, the facts, uh, what is happening in reality. Yeah, I think that there's going to be an opening up of, of some of the treaties and a desire to have um, more collaboration, especially with the Arab world. Yeah. Um, but, but one way of we've been doing it in the past is we've been working with Europeans, and the Europeans have treaties or that's, ways of working with the Arab world, for example. That's true, and Canada has co-production co uh, treaty, co treaty sorry, with Egypt, for example, so there is an outside. I also want to add one thing I forgot, which is the fact the 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 co-production overseas is you see all the complications of co-production then overseas like with the with the with the with the time difference and so on it becomes much more complicated so the split of roles becomes easier i don't know if it, it makes sense to you the split of role between what does the producer in canada or usa do and what does the producer in I don't know, uh, India does, it's clearer because of all the distance. Because there is this time challenge and whatever, so they have to agree about things right beforehand. So it's, it's kind of like inevitable, nature plays a role in that sense. So it becomes more, how can I say, safe, healthy, I don't know what's the term. Um, yeah, but also it, it, it happens that I come from a very small country, so I'm very aware about the fact of the population and the volume of production and producing with countries like Germany or France or the USA or Canada, it's tough for smaller countries because then the, the self-indulgement, it's a bad word, but the self-indulgement that comes with the bigger production countries is so big that there is a thick, very thick wall you need to, to knock and wait and maybe it echoes back, maybe it doesn't, of how you understand production or how do you understand the film project because there are big countries are so um, involved in the structure they are in and understanding of film. It's always very difficult. And the, the thing is also that, that, that we have, and now I'm going into the European Convention of Cinematic Co-Production which uh, almost all European countries have signed. And this convention uh, um, states very clearly what defines a co-production and what you have to live up to in order to have it, has it agreed upon as a co-production. And most of the Europeans are used to that. So, so it's, that's, that's how we work, because that's the definition of a co-production if you co-produce within Europe. And, and so that's probably when you come from outside of Europe, uh, you 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 um, you become part of that tradition, although you actually aren't, 
because we're not obliged to live up to that convention when we're co-producing with a country that has not signed the convention. But it's just good for you to know that it's just, that's how it is in Europe, and we're so used to working under the regulations of that convention. Yeah. Just what Ina, Ina was saying. Um, Argentina has a treaty with, uh, with Canada that is, is, very, is very seldomly applied. Like there are no, I'm trying to think of documentary co-productions between Argentina and Canada, and, and it's one of the few countries that, and I'm trying to think, it's not because we don't meet, because I've seen you like so many times, but perhaps I, I tend to think I tend to think that is perhaps if I think of a co-producer for some reason I don't know why like I think people in Argentina and this is like perhaps a snobbish thing tend to feel like culturally closer to Europe than to Canada it's odd I don't know because we are in the same continent but yeah but I think it is the case perhaps more comments? Yeah. The, yeah. The, the last point I think is quite quite important. And which, sorry, my name's Rui Hard Desai from South Africa. I'm a producer director. What we're beginning to see, I think, more and more is the disjuncture between the automatic incentives, the rebate schemes, and um, the the film funds, so, you know, get ridiculous things, say, well, you know, it's a co-production if you shoot 50% of your, your, your script here, 50% of your... Instead of talking about spend, which makes it more easier, more flexible, we're getting that stuff, and I, I think it's part of the... Um, the inward... Pe people turning inwards in, in the economic climate we've had over the last decade or so, is creating more problems. But f for me, I think the key thing is, when we approach co-productions, is um, the story. And w what is the story we're telling and being very clear about that, because you often see co-productions that are uh, scrappy, because they've been pulled in different directions. You know, the, the point of view which makes good films, uh, has been messed with because we need all these cultural uh, objectives to be met. And then, uh, then the next question, the problem and then becomes, and it's a problem, it's, it's a hell, the versioning, you know, how many versions you've got to do now. Um, and often, you know, there's no, the money's very minimal that's coming, but you've still got to do a version, you know, the, the British and the BBC are particularly very bad, bad, like bad on this score, as are the, the Americans, you know, they, they're convinced that their audiences are very specific, have very specific tastes and so on, and you've got to meet them. And I think that, you know, I don't know how we can confront these, these problems, but I think in terms of working with fellow co-producers, the rationale and the motivation is also very important, particularly in documentary, because we say, okay, that, that's the story. We know 
once we start getting deeper and deeper, our story starts shifting. Um, yeah. Would you like to respond? Or? I, I just wanted just one comment on, on the first part of it about the, the, the funds and not, not the, all the different uh, versions you have to do. Uh, I just think it's important that we distinguish between the two sorts of funds where there are funds that are there to attract uh, activity and, and, uh, and uh, bring economy to the region. Uh, and that, that it's, it's clearly stated. It's, it's not about art. No, it's about attracting activity in your region. So, so that, of course, the demands there to your, to, your, to your film are completely different from the films that are national film funds that are supporting the art of filmmaking. So it's just, it's just two very different approaches to, yeah. to it. But you have co-production treaties. And the treaty must take precedent over what the regional funds or the national funds are trying to do. Uh, and, and we've got to demand that. Because if we don't, we're on all sorts of shit. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a longer discussion. My point is just, if, if that happens, the regional fund won't support you. <laughs> if, 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 if it doesn't mean activity in your region, I, it's, it's more complicated than that, but that's part of the story, right? Um, I don't know if we should open the other discussion because it's a big discussion about all these different durations and length and in 10 years when we don't have the slot tyranny but everything is video on demand doesn't matter now I opened it I, no, no, it's I, not, it's no, not, I'm not going to make a, a debate about it but it's true that it's so much work and money and that you end up sometimes not making money because of that but it's in, in the list of priorities for instance that I checked on the, in the list, it's uh, the image of the film and its uh, exposure and where it goes and you know it's like are you ready to do it and like, why are you doing it and it puts huge pressure on everyone but if you're doing it for the circulation of your work then okay let's do it you know but then you have to really agree with your co-producers who's doing it. Yeah, well, I wanted to say something about that because that I, when I first met a European producer, I did this course, African version of Evea, and I saw the, 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 the CV and the scores of co-productions that the, the one producer has done. I was like, how do you manage to do so many? And it's clear that for many, it's just, you know, they get a two, three thousand euro, you know, the, the company's involved, there's a, a very defined... A system in Europe, Yuri Amaj, and you know you get your three, four territories together. Why, hello, wham, bam, thank you, Sam. Uh, you've got the distribution money, so it's a very, very tight network there, and th that ex explains to me why a lot of European producers, once the film's done, you know, you know what are you asking? Somebody sitting next to you, yes. shaking her head. <laughs> Don't agree with you. Sorry, a little bit sick. I'm a Dutch producer. My name is Katja Dreyer. I have a company called Paul the Film. We do a lot of co-productions, uh, mainly in Europe, but with Argentina, Brazil, China. I want to add something really positive because um, we're co-producing at the moment, or actually the film is made. It's screened here today, this morning, for a screening at ITVA. What's, uh, the, what's the title? It's a Danish film. 
with uh, uh, from Janus Met of Janus, I should say. <laughs> and um, I really learned a lot from my co-producing partner, Lisa Lenzen Muller, the Danish main producer, because she's a really experienced producer. And uh, I once asked her to do a, a study case at the Dutch Film Festival about co-producing. And what she said, and I, that's something I really uh, stuck to my mind uh, with my Preview, uh, with my future uh, co-productions, is she said, some you. It's not only about uh, money; <laughs> it's about learning from each other, and about something. Uh, you're not only asking something from the other uh, country, mostly money or creative input, but you're bringing something to the table as well. So what she brought in this particular case is an award-winning director. Um, because he won some uh, grand prize at Cannes. And um, what she did was she already had the Dutch broadcaster involved. And she she made that part of the deal that we could uh, bring that as our finance bringing in. So it's, uh, yeah, I have a really a positive uh uh, I on co-productions and then I really short uh, wanted to ask something about the code of conduct because we are here for that um, so you mentioned the European convention so isn't that already like a sort of code of conduct because I can't imagine what would be in what would be the criteria for the code of conduct what, what, what would it entail no, it's it's not a code of conduct at all. It's it's more a, it's more a, a, a list of the things you need to live up to, in order to get access to the national film funds from the countries that has signed the agreement. So it's not a code of conduct. It's it's like this that I mentioned in the beginning. You have to produce it together. You have to own all the material together. You have to share the rights. Um, you have to be minim in most cases minimum three countries co-producing countries and and the sh the the share of financing that you bring has to be 10 10 10 and no 10 20 and and 30 no 70 etc etc it's a, it's it's a list of what you need to live up to in order to get access to the national funding in the countries so it's it's not a code of conduct It's not in the regulation of the film funds, but the film funds, by joining the convention, has agreed that in order to fund the co-production, the co-production has to live up to the list of regulations in the convention. That's how it is. Okay, the people who got it said yes. Um, I would like Maybe to... Maybe you could... Sorry, just to... Afterwards, um, yeah, just to... Just pick up from the, from the... Yes. Yeah, my name is Maria. I'm a Ukrainian producer and director. Uh, but also, I just wanted to pick up the, the topic about the balance and shares between the producers, bigger and smaller, from... Eastern European countries from Western European countries, if we are talking Europe here. But we, as uh, Mikhail uh, shared, uh, our project is a part of Ex Oriente, and we had this amazing role play when you need to pretend that you are having a co-production and you have three countries, 
And I was in a team of France. It was amazing to experience that in our list that was proposed to us, we were like, no, we will be major co-producer just because. I mean, there was the no reasoning, but it was kind of, yeah, we played. So we could invent our new rules. But it was amazing to think that there are so many reasons that we came up with why we should be a major co-producer for, let's say, Czech story. And Czechs developed the project for five years. But it was kind of different, like, shifting perspective when you just try to imagine that you're from a different country with different means of supporting film, but also different historical landscape of, yeah, why bothering being a like minor co-producer. So I think it's kind of also prepared us well to imagine what our possible co-producers can experience or can propose us, but also what we can give them better and why we should, if we have or would be a major co-producer from a small company being a young company, from a small country being a young company. So I think that's also a, a great experience just to sit in the shoes of your possible co-producer. So that I don't know if you ever experienced that, but that was enlightening for me. I think we have. Thank you very much for sharing that, and uh, I think we have to close it on, on on that note because we are already over time. Our ambition was to start a group of people thinking uh, what good conduct, ethics, and co-productions is, and uh, we'll come back next year, right? Yes, but also maybe good for you to know uh, there will be a podcast on this session. We're also shooting is, it. And actually the conclusion when we gathered in Leipzig in April of this year was also that just as I brought it here to ITFA, we invite everybody to start this discussion around this theme in the events in their country or, I don't know, producers' networks or whatever you have. I mean, start talking about it. So, bye. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Please check out other podcast episodes and video recordings, other talks and events of ITFA at itfa.nl and subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date.